filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. So I, I want to use the opening of this episode to pay tribute to an unseen hero in the story of this podcast. Um, was with us for the first 403 episodes of, of this show. Um, it was there for the first episode. Jason, you, you were here, you, you saw it. My, my Yeti microphone bit the dust. Uh, when I, when I went to Kentucky, I was packing it up and I was careless. I left a cable plugged in when I was folding it over, putting the mic away and it bent the port and it's, it's not salvageable. So it's gone. Um, so just, just wanted to pay on homage to, uh, and pay respects to, to that microphone that got us so far as a podcast. And now I have a, a much smaller, cuter, also Yeti microphone because I liked the other one so much. And this was what was available. I think, I think that was the, also the first actual microphone for anyone on the show, because I think Ben and I were just using the computer mic at first. Um, I know I was last, um, to, to, <laughs> to, to arrive with a technology, um, Though I've got to say the uh, the little that is your like, role on the show. I, pretty much yeah. Um, also, this show's been on long enough that uh, it started before I had a smartphone. We've been doing <laughs> this for that long, um, which only just occurred to me. But yeah, uh, I've I also remember. Samson. Yeah, I ahead. also remember that um, in planning for I believe the first episode, we were talking about how to get directions to uh, Adam's house. And we talked about just uh, chiseling them on a slice of wood and then mailing that slice of wood to Jason to uh, get him directions to Adam's house because he didn't have a smartphone. I mean, yeah, he did that, find uh, his way here, though. Yeah, the, the thing is, like a, a slab of wood, it, I have a mailbox. It, it could get here. Uh, I can read. Um, it would work. It, you know, maybe even uh, in its way better than uh, having the temptation of scrolling around a smartphone while driving through a city, because that's a bad idea. Um, yeah, turn directions were not great it helped, years ago. It, it did help that Adam's house from my house is actually pretty easy to get to. Um, you you get on 50, and then there's very little to do after that, um, except drive straight and don't crash into anybody. Um it's it's not complicated. So and then and then find your way into the uh, the the secret nook in which Adam's house lives. Yeah, my my street sure. is a little bit hidden away. So there's there's a trick to it. But he, but you know, yeah, he got here. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, I think I was late, but that's that's a problem that's going to stick with me for my entire life. Um, <laughs> that was not because there is, of the direction. No, that's that's going to be a thing that that is my problem. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and Directions to AMT Studios podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined, as always, by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com. We talk about DC United, and that's what we're doing tonight. We're also talking to DC United. Uh, In this first segment, we're going to talk about the MLS's back tournament. Now that we have a draw, we have a schedule to break down. And then in the second segment, we will be talking to DC United midfielder Julian Gressel, so we'll we'll get to that momentarily, but before we do, Ben, what are you drinking? So my transition into becoming just an old old man, I think, is has now taken another step. Today I went, today I went to the ABC store and I went to the Scotch aisle and I bought a bottle of scotch. Okay. What'd you get? Yeah, I got, give me more. Uh, I got, I, I went, I went, uh, entry level, uh, but not bottom, not, not full bottom shelf. I went with, uh, Chivas Regal 12 year blended scotch. I, 
can I just say I'm a big fan of also because always, it's called Chivas. Like, of course, I was thinking about Chivas USA. Right. I think I think the name of the Scotch should be pronounced Chivas as if if it were Chivas USA. Mm-hmm. Um, because as revenge for all the times that when Chivas USA was in the league, people would pronounce the team name as if it were the Scotch, um, right. and, and say Chivas. Um, I think that I think now Chivas USA deserves its revenge against the the Scotch, which was not actually at fault, but you know, we're going to stick. I mean, I that. have heard the name of <laughs> doesn't the completely team. add up, but here we are. I've heard the name of the soccer team said out loud far more than I've heard the name of the Scotch said out loud. Can't believe I'm the one that's going to make this joke, but um, Ben, you have goat scotch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Jason, what I'm are you pretty, drinking? It's it's pretty. It's oh. good sipping. It's good sipping. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I I, I really like Glenmorangie as an entry level scotch. Uh, their ten year single is is very good and very drinkable, but still gives you some good scotch notes. Some scotchy scotch scotch. Be- the the only scotch that I have, it's not what I'm drinking, but the only scotch that I have is um, a like very, I can't remember what year it is because it's been months since I drank it because it's been too hot. Scotch is like a cold weather drink in my mind only. Like it's, I don't know why, but it's like, I don't want it in the summertime. But I have a bottle of Laphroaig that um, my dad uh, was working on this house and the people were extravagantly wealthy, but did not drink themselves. So they were like, Hey, um, we're getting rid of all this out late. They would host parties. This is, uh, he's a woodworker and he works in, uh, mostly in upper Northwest. So we're talking about like $5 million homes a lot. And a lot of folks host big parties. And so these were teetotalers that had company. And so they just gave out to the, everyone working on the house. They were like, here, take a box of this booze. And it's just a lot of high end alcohol. And he's like, Hey, do you drink scotch? And I'm like, I mean, Yes, I, can. I think I know where the, <laughs> I, I think I know where this is going. So yes, and he's like, "You want a bottle of scotch?" I'm like, "Sure." And I, in my mind, I'm thinking that it might be like J and B or you know something pretty straightforward. And he's like, "Cutty Sark, what's this? What's this Lafroig?" And I'm like, "That is uh, that's pretty good scotch." And he's like, "Well, here you go." Um, I so I, I can't I can't get past the fact that uh, people can have extravagant enough parties that they can just invite so many people that don't know that the hosts don't drink that they just end up that, and that also bring extravagant bottles of alcohol. Oh no, th- this is like the hosts themselves were like, well, if we're having company, we have to serve alcohol to our guests um, or else they will not come to our party. Well, these are also extravagantly wealthy people. They can afford it. Um, well, yeah. And so, you know, I'll, I'll give them a, a small kernel of credit for eventually giving about, you know, hundreds of dollars of alcohol away to blue collar workers. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, they're probably is. there's probably some problem. If I got to know these people more, I'd probably like them less. But this is the one thing I know about them. So, well, there's enough bad in the world. Anyway, uh, we'll what I'm drinking. What I'm drinking is the last beer in the house, which is uh, a can of Budweiser that I did not know I still had. Uh, what what year is that Budweiser? It'll be printed I mean, on the can. Yeah, I could I could figure it out somewhere on here. <laughs> uh, twenty twenty. Wow. Right. NWSL so sponsor Budweiser. That's right. NWSL sponsor Budweiser. The beer that was in my fridge today. I thought I was out. So did a Washington Spirit player like sneak into your house and put it in, or how did the Bud I get into that? Um, they all one are in Utah. Um, and two, even if they weren't, they live far away. Um, they probably shouldn't be coming all the way this way to sneak one beer into my fridge. I mean, if you to can go to Ben's house to, to steal, to steal my can, bourbon, to steal your bourbon, his bourbon, they can, they can come to your house to give you a sponsored product placement. Look, if they did, I hope that they were wearing a mask and gloves. That's all I'm asking. That's, that's fair. And not just for the clandestine nature of the the job. No, no, no. Just you know, because we're, we're all trying, <laughs> we're all trying not to die. <laughs> is is the theme of twenty twenty? Just get through twenty twenty alive if you can. Yep. yep. And yet we're all drinking alcohol. Um, I myself am drinking some uh, Buffalo Trace because I uh, just got back from Kentucky, and it's hard for us to go to Kentucky without coming back with a bottle of Buffalo Trace, which is distilled in my wife's hometown. So um, 
it usually at least a bottle comes back with us most times, even if we don't go to Frankfurt. Let's talk about some soccer. Yeah. We now have a schedule for the first, for the first ever MLS is back tournament. And I'm still not convinced there won't be a second. Uh, DC United will open. If it actually happens. Yeah. If it happens. Yeah. the, the, The first one might not be till next year. We'll get to that later. Um, DC United will open up Group C on Friday, July 7th, 8 p.m. against Toronto FC. Follow that on Thursday, July 16th, again, 8 p.m. against New England Revolution. And close out the group Tuesday, July 21st against the Impact at 10.30 p.m., which leads me to ask the following question. Do either of you know what the French is for DCU after dark? Les incompetents. No, that's not it. That's a Home Alone joke. It is. We need to we need to turn to our French correspondent Caitlin Buckley, who is not on the show tonight, uh, to find out the answer to this question. I mean, she would just tell us what the French is for uh, burnt frozen oranges. Yeah, or, or she might insult us, which is fair. She would uh, definitely insult us. Yes, yeah. in probably three or four different languages. We love you, Caitlin. We miss you. Uh, Jason, you mentioned last week how important the first game would be. And any any tournament like this with a three-game group stage, that first game is going to set the tone and either put you on, uh, give you a hill to climb or, or give you a head start. And coming out against Toronto FC, the defending Eastern Conference champion, at least from the playoffs, um, team that knocked us out of the playoffs last year, um, in a memory I try to repress so much. Um, probably the worst possible draw of the three. Yeah, it's not It's not the best way to start. I mean, if you want to do the glass half full approach, you can say, you know, DC's, you know, hopes in the group are mostly about whether or how well they do against the revs and the impact. Um, not that TFC is so good that they can't possibly be beaten, but um those last two games are the ones that are most likely going to determine DC's fate. Um, I think the good news uh, is that that first game for every single team is going to be a mess, um, which is kind of an equalizer. Um, it, we're not going to see the best of any of the teams in this tournament. We're not going to see the, the best of Toronto FC. We're not going to see the best of DC United, but I think of those two, I think DC is going to be closer to their best. I don't know if that means they're going to be good enough to win uh, over TFC, but it does mean that the game becomes closer to a toss-up than you normally would expect. Um, and that's not not an insignificant thing. Um, I think I would rather play TFC first because everyone's had such a long time off than playing them third and let them get two games under their belt and figure out some things. Um this is going to be an extraordinarily weird tournament. Um, yes. So, you know, little things that you can control, like being good at set pieces and winning second balls uh, and, and you know, forcing your opponent into more 50-50s, that kind of stuff is going to go a long way. Um, unfortunately, the the stuff that a lot of people want to see in soccer, it's going to be a short supply. Um, so that's a positive, uh, you know, you can always approach it from the other side and be like, yeah, well, Alejandro Pozuelo can, if he finds himself in some space once, you know, that could be a goal right then and there because he's good enough to do that by himself. Um, and that's unfortunate. You know, good, the good news is you know, DC's got some good players too. It's not like he's the only guy that can play uh, that'll be in that game. But um, yeah, it's, it's maybe got, uh, there's at least a little bit of a positive in that they're not going to have time. No one's going to have time to be good in that first game. Um, so they're not going to be facing the best of TFC most likely. Well, we know that they'll have Josie Altador who probably won't have torn his hamstring by then. Um, again, memories I try to repress and it just doesn't work. Um, this tournament is going to be weird. MLS is always weird just as a rule. I'm a little disappointed that we don't get the weirdness of a 9 a.m. kickoff on DC United's schedule. I was looking forward to um, watching DC United with some coffee early in the morning. Uh, uh, I was terrible. I was not. Um, I, 
I'm up early every day. So I mean, I we're, was, we're all up at 9 a.m. I just don't want to have to be dealing with soccer at 9 a.m. I um, was looking forward to it. I was hoping I'm also not a, not a Premier League mornings type of guy. So um, maybe I, I haven't uh, developed that muscle. Not that not that you necessarily are doing a ton of that either. Um, but yeah, those games. I mean, look, I just said that DC's first game is going to be weird and sloppy. Those 9 a.m. games are going to be a train wreck, yeah. um, especially the Western Conference teams that have to play those 9 a.m. games. They're 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah, those guys are not going to have any idea what's going on. Um, so those guys be, are going to be waking up at like what their body tells them is like 2 a.m. You know what they should do? Prepare games. They, for those games, they should spend the week before it just getting used to getting up at 10 p.m. The, the night before and staying up all night. They're probably like I know um, Sporting Kansas City has done some things flying home from games with those weird um, neon neon light headset things. Of to course, try Peter and, Verbeek would do this. Right. Um, trying to do some weird cutting edge technology that I, I don't really know enough about it to speak on it much. But I know it's something with a certain type of light. If you strobe it at your brain, uh, it helps you get into the right mental state to go to sleep earlier. That's, maybe this sounds like quackery. It might be quackery. They look cool, uh, but, you know, like stuff from Tron looked cool. It, it's not necessarily going to do anything. It just has some blue neon lights on it, and that's kind of fun. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how those teams are supposed to handle it. I don't know how the East Coast teams are supposed to handle it, much less the West Coast teams. That That is a uh, – I get it. Like, I know that there's only so many ways to put this tournament together. Um, but, man, those games, uh, those 9 a.m. games are going to be an absolute mess. It'll be like uh, like 1980s baseball games when everybody's just drinking a lot of coffee uh, throughout the uh, before the game, during the game, in the middle of the game, and after the game. Is that coffee with scares? Is that coffee with scare quotes, Ben? No, it's or, coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, we can see the the air quotes there. I don't think our listeners can. I think they, uh, can, they can probably it. hear in my voice that I'm talking about <laughs> coffee. Yeah. <laughs> will will they also be spitting chewing tobacco in these 9 a.m. No games? one should be spitting anything. Don't That's spit. That's a very good point. Don't spit. Yes. And also don't don't chew tobacco. It's bad for you. Can we, very, can we bring up the do anything? Don't smoke tobacco either. Like don't do anything that would harm your lungs right now, y'all. Uh, can we bring up the 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 farce of asking players to do like certain social distancing measures in games? Like don't spit don't spit or don't celebrate when you know, how do you win the ball off of somebody? You have to bump into right. them. Can we do uh, socially yeah. distanced corner kicks? Right. <laughs> like, good good luck. Um, you know, so some of it is, uh, like, I, I understand the thought behind it. And I think there is some power to living a good example as a pro athlete. That's why it's good to see, you know, coaches in these European games doing the elbow bump, um, wearing masks, things like that. But the guys in the, the if you're playing in a game, like there is nothing that can be done about that stuff. Like, right, and that's the whole point of the bubble in theory. Right. Yeah. They're um, I know this is it's a digression, but it is kind of funny that like goalkeepers are being told don't spit on your goalkeeping gloves, and it's like, well, what about all the other stuff that's going to happen? Um, <laughs> the yelling with someone's face also spitting is just gross like even before even in the before times don't spit on things uh when you're playing something and running around sometimes it's i mean it is ben's not wrong i mean you don't have to choose to spit on something no you you find a place to spit that's out of the way that's not on someone but like i've had like having played sports like i've had stuff in my mouth that it's just i need to get it out and i don't want it in my body it's gross just to try and breathe but yeah yeah, like uh there there is no way for the players to play without running this risk um yeah exactly which is you know the whole tournament may or may not happen uh i think we should couch it in that because everyone's watching the news and you're hearing about florida that's not getting better yeah that's yeah there's you know as as chaotic as it's going to be on the field if it happens there's obviously 
there's a, a spike happening in Florida that includes Orange and Osceola counties where the players will be staying and where they will be playing. I think Osceola County is a little bit better off right now than Orange County, which is where Orlando proper is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Florida's not the only one experiencing a spike. Houston is having a major spike. We're setting records now um, that surpass the the earlier records um, uh, of new cases each day. We are we're not in a second wave so much as just a first wave that never quite finished and is now coming on stronger than ever and more spread out than ever around the country. So there's, you know, every market is, is affected now. It's not just something that's in New York and Seattle and San Francisco. It's, it's everywhere. So every team is coming into this with something or the Orlando pride just pulled out of the NWSL challenge cup because several of their players and staff members had positive tests for COVID. Right. Though, though then that is his own fiasco because now yeah. there's at least some reporting that those tests were inconclusive, but, which is bizarre in, in and of itself um, without going too far down that rabbit hole. Yes. It's a whole thing that doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, the, the, the reality of this is there is a good reason to be skeptical that we're going to see the tournament. Um, I will say I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the New York Times numbers, and both uh, Osceola and Orange County, Florida, have uh, seven times the amount of cases that they had two weeks ago. That's, yeah, uh, that's, that's a lot of times. Um, yep. <laughs> I, th- I think even just uh, literally yesterday, um, their jump was like well over like fifteen hundred. I want to say uh, more than the previous day. Um, yeah. And in speaking to in speaking to Michael Citro, who we've had on the show and, and who is down there in Orlando. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's nerve wracking. He is talking about how he's like, I don't even know how to like go to the store right now to buy the basics to survive day to day. Um, now, of course there are at least some, there's some chunk of the population down there that is like, everything's fine. I'm going to go to this bar and get blasted, um, without a mask because a portion of our population has stopped believing in like science or facts or other right. humans. And the people um, who are shocked when they throw a, a surprise birthday party or a family reunion, and then half the family comes down with COVID that seems to be happening a lot as well. Make good choices. People don't, don't wear stupid. masks. I mean, wear I mean, I, I feel like our listeners, I feel like our listeners are probably pretty good about this stuff for the most part. I, I don't think we have too many people who aren't on the side of that, but like, yeah. Uh, double down on staying safe, like be almost like paranoid about it. Like this is a, even if you get a mild case, we're talking about something that can do like real damage to you. So um, I, even if, you, even if you don't feel paranoid in your like every waking moment, like, which you don't have to do that to stay safe. Like be reasonable. You, you, right. you can read about the risks. You know what they are. Take appropriate precautions that that's it. It's really easy in a sense. And, and, and you know, the, the league does appear to be trying its best to get this thing to work uh, from a precautions angle. You know um, I think Felipe posted or he did a Instagram takeover and part of it was him and Fred Briant um, waiting to pull their cars into the assigned parking spots. Um, so they were having some fun with it, but like the little things of like physically getting yourself to training are different now. Um, you know, coaches are in masks, coaches are in gloves. Everyone's, you know, staffers are doing, uh, the bleach wipes on soccer balls. Like it's bizarre, but, um, I don't know that there's a way to do it perfectly. Uh, the fact that, the bubble that everyone's going into includes hotel employees who MLS doesn't have any control over. Uh, that seems real dicey to me. Um, it sounds like they're going to be told to, well, they're going to be wearing a lot of PPE, which is good uh, for them and for the players. Uh, it sounds like they're going to maintain a, an appropriate distance whenever possible, which is also good. And then the players can choose, the players are all going to be in their own rooms and can choose whether and how often housekeeping comes in. Right. Uh, 
which there's going to be a lot of stanky rooms at the end of the month, but that's a, that's a small price to pay, I think. Right. Um, but it's still, it, it's not a bubble at that point. It's, it's right. not a self-contained unit anymore. There's, there's a, an access point for the virus, which is not right. great. Dude. I, I mean, I, I also, we don't know where the league's threshold for shutting it down is. Um, because the league said they don't have one, like right. it's very much, it's not a science. It's an art as far as that they're concerned. So, you know, if one team has an outbreak like Orlando pride had, um, does that mean pulling the plug on the whole thing? Or does that just mean this one team is out? Um, because now the ball is rolling. We've got a schedule. We have TV, uh, commitments, all that stuff. Um, you know, how, how quickly does this house of cards kind of fall apart? We don't know. Um, yeah, it's not like NWSL where there's one TV partner. And so they can redo the schedule in a way that works for that one TV partner. MLS has three that they have to work with ESPN, Fox sports and Univision. So from what we read from the athletic, I think it was, um, Paul Tenorio and Sam Stasekul talked about the, the rather contentious talks between the networks just to get this on TV. Mm -hmm. Uh, If if there's a change because a team has to pull out, that's a a whole new mess that not just the league, but the TV partners are going to have to deal with. And it's not going to go well if that happens. Capitalism is is just trying to uh, further destroy this tournament. I mean, this tournament only exists because of capitalism then. Well, yes. Well, you gotta, you gotta feed the machine, right? Uh, or, or else, no, you, you don't actually. It would be good sometimes to not have to feed the machine. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we're, we're we're talking about hypotheticals here. Like, fortunately, the league's overall reported numbers haven't been too high. Um, though, to cite more of the athletics reporting, um, there is not a requirement for teams to report all of their positives. Um, so, you know, if you go through... What's that? At least publicly. Presumably the yeah. league knows about yeah, yeah. the teams um, and players that so are... Someone has to be told, you know. Um, but, you know, if you read through that that article, and hopefully you already have, and if not, I think that one's uh, Sam Stachel on his own uh, did that one. Um, but if you read through that one and you think of the other reported positives that teams have said, this is this happened... Um, I think we're at like 12 or 13 known cases. We don't know what player, but we know 12 or 13 instances of a player getting uh, contracting the virus. Um, but the teams don't have to tell anyone. And so NYCFC apparently is like, we just would rather not tell you what's going on. Um, so who knows how, you know, what their scenario is. Cause there reportedly is an issue with staffers as much as players. Um, so, you know, we're still far enough out from this thing that a lot can go wrong between now and then. Um, and it would be a debacle for the league if they had to just abandon the whole thing. But also, you know, it's better to have a debacle for a sports league than to have like 30 or 40 people contract a deadly virus. So um, I hope that that's a thought that's echoing around headquarters at this point that where they're like, the number, the number that people like they can get before we finally say don't do this shouldn't be like in the hundreds, right? Um, yeah, I but I don't know if that's the case because the league hasn't committed to a even just saying like yes, we have an internal limit where we're saying okay, we can't do this anymore. It's like we're not going to hold a limit. It's just going to be a judgment call. That's that seems like a bad idea to me. Yeah, I I think it's also worth pointing out that a a lot of people or at least some people who are very loud seem to think that pro athletes are basically not affected by the virus when they do contract it. Um, In most of the cases we've heard people have been asymptomatic or, or mild symptoms, but this is a, everything we've heard about this virus and this disease is, is that it, it is aggressive and creative in ways that, that almost make no sense. It can, it makes your blood very thick. It affects mm-hmm. your, so it affects your circulatory system. It, even if you are asymptomatic, it still really can mess up your lungs, which mm-hmm. kind of important for 
players of an uh, a very aerobic sport like soccer. Um, it, it's causing strokes and seizures in young people, like thirty year olds. Yeah, and if you contract it near the end or in the middle or the end of the tournament, then you could take it back to your friends, families, and loved ones. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a weird, messed up, bad virus, and um, it, no one should be put in a position where they have to contract or where they are in a high risk of, of contracting it because we don't know what it will do to any individual person. It's, it's not a case where if you're under 50, you're going to be fine. You know, you, you're probably going to live if you're under 50, but that doesn't mean you're going to be fine. Having a stroke is not fine. Having a being put on a ventilator is not fine. Like those are bad traumatic experiences that are avoidable in this case. You don't have to catch this virus. And if, I really hope it doesn't come to the point where MLS has to cancel this thing. But if it looks like, you know, even a half dozen more players are going to contract it, then I'd rather call it off than, than, than deal with a potential major outbreak. It's like, it's, it's weird. Cause I'm really hyped and excited for this tournament. I'm really excited to see MLS, but at the same time, I don't want these players to get sick. I don't want the staffers to get sick. It's, it's a really weird juxtaposition of thoughts in my head. Also, I understand why they chose Florida, but we could have seen this coming just given yes. the leadership of Florida. We could have chosen a better place. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, well, the thing is like, even, even early on uh, just from a sheer numbers perspective, it was like, well, that's not the best place to choose. Like assuming everyone has the same leadership, it would have been not the best place just because of the, the numbers they had early. But when you throw in that Florida's state policy appears to be good luck. Um, right. That's uh, much worse. Um, so Florida's uh, sweet, but hotter as far as right. the coronavirus goes. Um, yeah. I yeah. mean, hopefully this is all just us talking through some stuff that doesn't happen. And we just get a soccer tournament where somehow no one gets it. But I feel like that's it. it someone's going to contract the virus during the tournament. Um the the odds of them not doing so are just incredibly long. I feel like, um, so it, it, we're already at the like. Well, I hope that no one gets any permanent damage. You know, they they get through it fine. I know, um, Casper Shabilko, uh from the Philadelphia Union got it early and has already recovered in his back training. Um, so it's not been so far it hasn't had a destructive uh impact on any specific player that we know of yet but you know that's the that was the first case out of the entire league like the chances are that someone's going to be dealing with this for a while um and that makes you wonder like is it worth having this tournament uh is it really worth it guys cuz you know it's not like ESPN is doing all that much for MLS you know uh, going out of your way to satisfy some TV partners, maybe not the best uh, policy. I mean, I know this is becoming again a, a knock on capitalism, but uh, maybe maybe those guys uh, or those networks should have considered that like the players have some intrinsic value that is not monetary. I don't know. <laughs> Call me crazy. But all right, so let's um, before we devolve into a broader kind of takedown of capitalism. Uh, let, let's get back onto the field uh, where we're group C, even with Toronto FC in it, it, it's a group that DC United can win and should get out of. I think I'm, I'm willing to say um, even if DC United weren't at their best, the first two games of, of this season, New England and Montreal are two teams that DC United should be able to get the better of in this group. And, and even that said, this is a league of chaos. We don't know what's going to happen. It could be Thierry Henry has the impact flying and they take down Toronto and just run the table. It could be that Montreal doesn't score a goal and doesn't win a game. It's it could be that Thierry like, Henry runs back on the field to uh, take revenge for Roy Miller uh, taking that free kick and kicks his own free kick in to beat DC United. We have no idea what's going to happen. 
That would be some, that, that would certainly be chaos. Yes. <laughs> Can't rule it out. One thing we do know is there's a format tweak since the last time we spoke. Uh, that, that means one less spot that DC United could get in the knockout round because MLS is doing the right thing and saying the top half of each group, which means three teams for group a, which has two extra teams in it because math or something. Uh, the top three teams from group a will get into the group stage and then screw group a, all of them should fail. (laughs) Just eliminate group a, just put them on a boat. Uh, and and then, (laughs) and then the, whatever number of, of next best place teams will, uh, will will go through. So that, that means one less third place team that, that could go in. So potentially if DC United doesn't, take care of business. But if DC United's fighting for a third place slot, we're already mad. Oh yeah. At that point, we're probably going to end up being drawn against LAFC in the next round anyway. So I, yeah, that that's less, less. It would be disappointing. Yes. Um, Because, you know, as much as DC did not impress in the first two games of the season, neither did the impact uh, in their games, including the champions league. Neither did the revs. Um, you know, this group, I think, is I, I haven't changed my mind on it. I think it's a group that DC should be able to get to second place in um, without being too, you know, asking too much of, of anyone. Um, of course, things could have changed. You know, those teams might figure something out. Maybe DC lost something in the, the months of no soccer and maybe they lost more than the other teams because every single team is doing something they've never done before right now, which is how do you start the season, play two games and then stop playing altogether, uh, not even have training sessions for most of that time and then throw it back together at the last second and be like, I guess we have soccer again. Um, No one had, there's no blueprint for that. There's no like, Oh, this is an example from the past that I learned every, every single coach in the league, every single staff in the league is like, okay, how do we figure this out? Having no, we have no experience with this. No one else has any experience with this. There's no, like, I can't go read some old coaching books and find out what like Rhinus Michels uh, did in the Netherlands. Cause he never had to deal with this um, or Helenio Herrera or any of the legendary old coaches from the past. There is no example for this. There's no, uh, there's no YouTube series you can watch. There's no um, series uh, of books that you can order everyone's figuring something out for the first time. So, you know, for all we know, Greg Vanny might've had the worst idea and maybe undermine TFC despite their obvious talent. Maybe, maybe it ruins things for them. Um, but yeah, I, I think DC should be getting out of this group and they shouldn't be doing it by squeaking in as one of the third place teams. Um, I think the, the um, math that's out there, the, the, the change to the structure of it was greatly beneficial to group a, but is a very marginal change for the other groups. I think it's like a 3% chance. Yeah, it went from 65% chance of advancement to 62. Yeah. Credit, and it bumped the group A from like 50% up to 60 or something right. like that. Like, like full credit to the guys at American Soccer Analysis. And I think yes. um, Henry Bushnell at Yahoo also um, in roughly the same time frame put his own um, – I think they both reached the same conclusion, but via different paths, but they both put it out pretty quickly that, that the original structure was flawed. Uh, I mean, the original structure is already bizarre as it is because there is a six team group and then the other groups are not six teams. One team had to change conferences. Um, 26 is hard. (laughs) Yeah. 26 teams is not a viable number for almost anything. And, uh, this was, I mean, and then when you break it down into two 13 team conferences, it's even less viable um, prime numbers, man. Avoid prime numbers. Yes. Uh, the the league should really have tried to figure expansion out just based on the idea of avoiding prime numbers where possible. <laughs> um, and, and of course, that would have meant like admitting like expansion expansion years being like where there are six new teams now. Good luck, everyone. Um, the good news is next year when wanna- they do this tournament, they can just have seven groups of four. Oh no, seven's a prime number too. We're going to have seven groups. Oh, no. Adam, they're not going right. to do this next year. You're still wrong. Adam, you're still wrong. I don't think I am. 
I mean, I might be, but I, I, if MLS isn't at least thinking about this, just in case this tournament goes really, really well, then I, I don't know what they're doing. We're not relitigating last week. Listen to last week to see why Adam's wrong. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not wrong. Um, before we uh, go ahead to the interview with Julian Gressel, Jason, you have another project happening. Um, and it, it regards the, the NWSL, the Washington. Yeah, Spirit. So, so literally today, um, which is not leaving us a whole lot of time. Like as soon as we finish this show, I am going to embark on my first, uh, first editing of an audio file that I actually have to give to people to listen to. Um, but yeah, uh, Kim McCauley, who we've had on the show a couple of times, uh, and I are going to do a Washington spirit podcast, uh, called Plex Weather, which if you know about the spirit, you've encountered uh, the w- Maryland soccer plexes, bizarre and inexplicable weather patterns. Uh, I, I want to let people know we're, we're talking about this on uh, Thursday, the 25th, literally while we were recording the show, there was an outbreak of like thunderstorms that moved very rapidly through uh, that area. And then actually by the time the show ended, there was like thunder roaring at my house uh, many miles away from the Plex because of course uh, Plex weather happened and Plex weather literally happened. Jason, I I can see like light uh, a bunch of lightning out my window right now. Great. There goes Uh, some more lightning. So, so uh, Plex weather has once again, cursed everyone with uh, thunderstorms and, and power outages and delays and, and lightning alarms. But, uh, as a podcast, we're hoping not to be a curse uh, or control the weather. We just want to talk about the spirit. Um, I mean, if you can control the weather, just make it not lightning at the Plex. It, it's going to be a, a difficult skill to learn, I feel like, because up until this point, I have had no control over the weather. Um, and this, if, if it is a weather control podcast, this is my first day. So people be patient uh, <laughs> while I try and figure out how to harness the, the weather that... Uh, up until now, I think has been beyond human control for the most part. Um, the good news with the podcast is that you don't have to wait 30 minutes after the last lightning strike before you can start again. Yes. Uh, yeah, that part is nice. Um, but it's yeah, just 30 minutes of digressions. Yeah. Uh, well, we already told the, the folks from the spirit squadron that we were going to um, do a 45 second show and then have the air horn go off and then just have three hours of silence before resuming the show. Um, which we Good did audio. not do. Spo- spoiler alert. We did not do that to people because we want people to listen to the show. We don't want people to not listen to the show. No, um, so if you, I'm so disappointed. If, if you want to talk about the spirit, it is a podcast that is going to be about the spirit. So when is it coming out? What platforms is it available on? Uh, it is coming out uh, provided I edit successfully tonight. It will come out tomorrow. Um, we don't have a planned schedule for it yet. So there's not like a day of the week we're shooting for. Um, uh, I still literally have to register for a uh, host because we ran out of time to do that before we recorded. So, um, so you'll have to download on- it from plexweather.hostingprovider.net. Yeah. Well, we're going to use uh, the uh, Pinecast, which is what we use for filibuster uh, in part because I know someone that is familiar with it, Ben. Um, <laughs> so that if something goes awry, I can be like, Ben, can you tell me what to do? Um, I'm also using Ben's guide to how to turn your audio file into a usable podcast. So um, Ben it has played a role in this uh, from afar, despite uh, it, it's really Ben's documentation of things. Ben's uh, I love to document. Yeah, uh, the, it's it's coming in, coming in. Uh, it turns out coming in to, for good value for for this different podcast. And uh, hopefully it's good. Uh, we planned it about as much as filibuster is planned, which is to say not very much. Very little. Well, I'm glad that the 400 plus episodes and Ben's deep seated archivist tendencies have, have come through for, for Plex weather. I'm looking forward to listening to it. I'm also looking forward to this next segment when we talk to Julian Gressel about the upcoming tournament. So please stick around. It's filibuster black and red United podcast. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and 
you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Welcome back to Filibuster. DC United kicks off in the MLS is back tournament in two weeks on July 10th against Toronto FC. Our guest tonight is sure to play an important part for the black and red Uh, going forward. He came to the district this past winter in a trade from Atlanta. He's got one of the best right feet in the league and his name is Julian Gressel. He joins us now. Welcome, Julian. What's up, guys? How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Got to ask you this off the top. What are you drinking? I'm a pretty plain guy, so I'm just uh, just having some water. <laughs> Tap water, uh, bottled water. <laughs> yeah, bottled water. We actually like sparkling water, so I'm making okay. just, uh, a little fizz in there. You know, nice. Yeah. I like it. I'm a big fan. A little different. I think that's the first uh, pro athlete answer that hasn't been still water. This is this is a new territory. No, yeah, we got uh, we got the soda stream, so I like to to make those uh, little little drinks, make it a little bit exciting, you know, not just plain water. There you go, it's artisanal, homemade, sparkling water. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Julian, how's it feel to be back in training after three months away, and even then to finally have a game on the calendar to start preparing for? It's it's nice. Uh, it's it's something uh, obviously we've we've all waited for a long time. Um, and like you said, I think to have that date finally set makes it a lot easier um, for us to actually go out and, and really work hard. Um, I know those days and weeks and months got very very long um, for me personally, working out on my own without really knowing what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean the trainings have been good. You know the guys have been good. We've all been been buzzing to be back and we're really excited to get going and then head down to Florida soon to to start playing games. So Julian, I saw on Twitter that you were very excited not to have any uh, early morning games in the MLS's back tournament. Uh, What's the difference between preparing for a 9 a.m. game versus a 10.30 p.m. game? Um, that's, it's, I think a 9am game would just be a really early wake up call. I guess it would make the the day go by really fast for a 1030 game. You just kind of wait all day for the game, I guess. Um, but I just rather not have the early wake up call, um, for the later games. You can, you know, you can sleep in, you get a little activation in with the team in the mornings, and then you kind of just take a little nap. Um, it's just, it's just something that we're more used to, I want to say, than the 9am games. Um, so I just I just wanted to that I just thought that was a good a better situation for us than having to wake up at five five thirty in the morning get an early breakfast that you know you don't want to eat pasta that early in the morning which <laughs> I usually eat before games so um, it was just just that kind of preference for me. I mean, as fans, we are also u- much more used to DC United playing at ten thirty rather than nine a.m. We are used to MLS after dark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's similar to a West Coast game, right? If we were to go out to LA yeah. and, and play there at, at 7 p.m. or 7:30 p.m., then it would be the same as uh, same as that time. So, um, yeah, I guess it just is what it is. It's just the game. You just got to pretend it's out, out on the West Coast. <laughs> uh, Julian, what are your your overall thoughts? This this tournament is, you know, we're in such a strange time uh with literally everything in in our lives so 
Um, you've got to deal with with a tournament that the league had to sort of throw together. Um, what are your thoughts on on the structure of it, the the group you ended up in as well? Um, anything that jumps out at you? I mean, I think it's exciting, right? I think I think it was the message from from the start that MLS wanted to get back to playing, wanted to to have it have some sort of competition um, as it is al- allowed or, or or suggested by obviously um, health officials um, if it's if it's doable or not. So so I think it, it's good to have something. Um, I know that it, it's difficult that every market is different um, in terms of what they're allowed to do in the stadiums, um, if, if people are allowed to even play or not. Um, so I think that was just the best they could do. And obviously their partnership with ESPN um, and Disney in that sense made that a little bit easier. And, and it kind of gave them a clear path that they could really work on, you know, which which didn't have as much uncertainty as other, other parts, um, I guess, they were looking at. Um, but yeah, I mean, personally, as a player, I'm excited. You know, I think it was, it was good that that we get back to playing. Um, I think the majority of the players are really excited to play again. Um, I know our team really is, and, and I think we we got a good group. Um, I mean, obviously, there's some good teams. Um, Toronto, you know, last year's uh, finalist, um, and and a team obviously that that beat DC in the playoffs. So I think there's some some uh some revenge there um obviously they beat me in atlanta as well um, in the eastern conference final so um, i'm certainly looking forward to that first game and then a team in montreal that we saw um in preseason a bit obviously with a new head coach um that has started the season off pretty good um and the new england revolution which which have kind of started to to turn things around with bruce arena as well last year so um i think it's a pretty good group i'm excited to play against those teams um and and i think you know we got a shot at, at winning that group um and advancing through the group stage that's what we want to hear certainly um i want to go back to the, the beginning of this year you got into town and almost immediately COVID hits you know a once in a century kind of pandemic and then you're stuck at home you and your wife become brand new parents. So I want to call you on that early wake up call thing. Cause I've been a new parent. I know <laughs> you're not, you're not sleeping in as much. Um, just how's it been? How have you been uh, kind of keeping sane during all of this? Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely been interesting. <laughs> um, we're not quite parents yet. My wife's still pregnant. So we still got some oh. time to go until the end, I'm sorry, the end of October. Uh, no, you're good. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, we got here to DC, and, and and we were really excited to get to know a new city, get to know a new fan base, and and, and just enjoy the life here. Um, but then we couldn't really do anything. We really stuck to our own apartment, and and yeah, we could go on walks, but you couldn't really experience the city with the way we liked. And obviously, with the baby news, um, we then decided to kind of start looking for some houses. Um, so we we just uh, had, we just bought a house actually that we're moving. Um, in a little bit, and uh, then we'll kind of set up ourselves a little bit outside of DC. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been it's been fun still. You know, I think the teammates have helped me out a lot, especially in the beginning. We've we, we hung out with Steve, with Russ, with you know some other guys around the team um, that have really made me feel welcome here, and, and I'm um, I'm excited uh, to be here and to really put my yeah, just to start a family here um, and, and, and start uh, start enjoying the city a bit more as it as it opens up or, or not just not just D.C., but the whole DMV area. So it's been like we've been saying, it's been a transition going from uh, the COVID shutdowns to uh, these intermediate trainings back to full training. How How is that uh, situation been how's that transition been and how is the uh how have the trainings been compared to uh what you were used to in the preseason uh and what you were all able to do uh just a few short months ago yeah i mean we so we were able to to get together for some individual or small group trainings um i think for a week and a half or two weeks which was actually quite nice because after not being able to fully team train and not really get like a, a full training for soccer specific work in, it was more just individual fitness based on our own. It was quite nice to get the bodies kind of adjusted again so that you wouldn't straight jump into games and, and straight jump into a lot of crossing the ball or shooting the ball. So injuries would happen. So it was quite nice to kind of just 
ease your body into it a little bit at the same time as really getting your fitness up and, and getting ready to then then do the the regular training sessions which which we've been doing now um for a little bit over a week i think almost two weeks and um those sessions have been good i mean you can tell that guys are itching to play um we just want to want to play as much as possible and then with the short time before our first game um that's what you what the coaches really let us do as well like we we're playing a lot um we're playing a lot in our structure trying to trying to get used to 11 v 11 again and what the game entails in that sense what we're trying to do as a team and all those types of things so um it's been good and, and i'm excited i mean obviously we still need to work on a bit of things um it's uh and uh yeah i think we'll, we'll be ready once once we once we get down there to orlando and and then get playing in i think two and a half weeks now right yeah and so outside of your team obviously you've i'm sure you've wanted to stay connected with your your friends and family what ways have you been using to stay connected with uh the people in your life have you been doing video chats writing letters uh what what have you been doing to stay in touch with people yeah i mean i mean for me and my, my family it's kind of always this uh kind of how it was during quarantine because they're obviously in family in germany right um and and so we've kind of just been been facetiming um a bit more than usual i want to say where, where it's like almost every second day we we check in and uh um, just see how things were going throughout this time. Um, thankfully, nobody got sick to a point where I, I really got worried, um, in a sense. Um, so that was obviously, obviously nice not to have to deal with any of that while being so far away. Um, and with other friends, it, it's kind of been similar since we were so new to a city. Um, it's been tough to, to really get to know people here, um, outside of the team. Um, you know, my wife likes to go to workout classes and kind of make friends that way. And then that, that couldn't really happen. I've been fortunate to make some friends on the golf course where I joined a, a club out here and, and thankfully they stayed open. So I got to play a little bit and, and meet some people while social distancing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's still been, it's still been all right. I mean, like I said, for the family, um, and some friends that are out of town, it's really been the same, same, time, same things that we have been doing before. Uh, Julian, you mentioned going golfing uh, last year. I think Wayne Rooney was was supposed to be the top golfer on the team. Uh, who who's uh, who's got the best game right now? Uh, I mean, I don't want to brag, but I, I think it's me. Yeah. I've played a few times, um, but yeah, I, I want to say it's me at the moment. <laughs> so, Team Europe definitely beating Team US in the DC United Ryder Cup there. Um, I think so. I don't know if we can get a team together on either side, but um, it might just be a one-on-one matchup between me and Steve. Uh, but I saw Russell get into it a bit, and, and uh, some other guys might swing it here or there. I know Fred Fred Briant wants to get into it as well, but he's never swung a club before, so um, got some ways to go there. <laughs> Do me a favor, and when that happens, make sure there's a video camera. Yeah, we might we might see what we can do down in Florida. If there's a golf course or something we can get him out to. If we're stuck there for for those three weeks, um, just to do something else. So I'll I'll try and get it on video. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, go, going into this uh, going into this tournament, you mentioned trying to get those connections back and the the team shape and all of the stuff that's hard to work on, almost impossible to work on by yourself. Um, how now that you've had some time training, how do you think those connections are with, you know, with the, especially the guys in the attack, you know, the, the look at the start of the season way back, it feels like forever ago, but it was just in March. Um, the start of the season, it was a, a new look for the team. Obviously you're new. Edison Flores is new. Um, how do you think things are fitting together heading as you head to Florida? Yeah. I mean, I think you, you kind of saw that uh, we still needed some time in, in those two games that we played. And I think um, obviously the coaching staff and, and us as players, we look at those games, right. And, and, and see, see what we can improve upon and, and kind of what we need to do to, in order to get better and take the next step as a team. And, and this time kind of gave, this really gave us a chance to really critically look at everything. Um, I think it's not going to be perfect coming out of this, especially since we haven't really been able to train too much together. Um, but I think that, you know, we, we were able to have virtual tactical sessions where we talk a lot about things and, and especially really dissecting those first two games where, um, where I think that our total understanding 
of each other and, and kind of how we play, um, I think got better. And, and I think that's a, it's a good thing. Um, so we're, we're trying to take steps now, obviously in training and, and making the right, uh, making steps in the right direction and moving forward and getting more used to each other and playing off of each other and, uh, and really trying to get the best out of everybody, um, to just, just win games. And, um, that's really what we're here to do. You can see that every day in training that, that you know, we're, we want to win games. We want to, if it's a training game, if it's a, if it's a 11 v 11, if it's three v three, if it's just a, a, a stupid fun little game, but you can see that guys want to win and guys want to compete. And, and that's really what it's all about. And as long as we know we're all headed in the same direction all together, I think, I think we'll, we'll be able to improve and, and yeah, get better. And hopefully we can show that we got better uh, than the first two games and then those upcoming ones. When you're in Atlanta, you spent most of your time, not all of it, but most of it out on the right side, either on the wing or at wing back. Um, and then in the first two games here, you kind of played more centrally, or at least your starting position seemed to be more central uh, in those first two games with DC. Uh, ben Olsen hinted that there were some changes coming for the third game and who knows what we'll see down in Florida. But I, w- I was curious to hear what your thoughts on your role on the team tactically are. I mean, I've said it all along. I think I think Ben Ben knows what he's doing, and Ben is obviously trying to get the best out of everybody. And and he he thought that um, you know that that the first two games were were kind of good for me to to jump in the in the midfield there, where where I played mostly throughout preseason as well. Um, where he thought that maybe you know I could help out defensively a bit more than than Edison would, and 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 we could uh, just kind of switch on and off, kind of who goes in the middle, who plays out wide. I think. Obviously, our me and Edison's understanding wasn't quite there yet, in a sense, where uh, it was really natural looking in a way, or nat- natural playing off of each other. Um, but like I said before, I think I'm going to play wherever coach, wherever Ben thinks I'm, I'm the best fit, and, and wherever he he feels like we can we can have the most success. And then if that's on the right wing, which probably would have happened in the third game, um, to to let Edison play a bit more central and me on the right wing. Um, but uh, how it is going to look now, we haven't really done too much um, in terms of really specifics of how we're going to look in that first game against uh, Toronto. I'm, I'm sure we'll do something again uh, starting for that next week, um, and then then I won't tell you guys, but uh, <laughs> um, probably, I, I personally will get a better feel for, for what that is going to look like for me and, and what we're going to look like as a team. But, um, yeah, like I said, I, I think I can play in the middle. I can play out wide. Um, just kind of depends on the opponent and depends on what we're trying to do as a team. Uh, Julian, you, um, you kind of, uh, you, you're looking at this as, as such a strange time, um, coming up to DC, you know, not even really having time to get settled in. I, I feel like, um, playing two games and then having the whole world kind of shut down on you. Um, how did you, keep yourself uh, in some degree of, you know, I mean, the fitness side, you can do workouts on your own, but I know from talking to a couple of the players that there's a huge mental difference from what you can do when you're stuck by yourself versus when you've got, you know, teammates to compete against or play off of or all of that. Um, How did you deal with the mental side of this whole break and just being stuck, not able to, you know, really do much of anything? Yeah, it was um, it was difficult, you know, and then I think I obviously had my days where it, w- it was tougher than others. But um, yeah, it was just a, a time where a lot of things happened for me right before I came up here um, in terms of the trade and, and, and my wife moving while we we're in Florida with training camp and obviously new team. Um, so mentally, I actually thought a week or so off would would have would kind of helped me um after that week was off i kind of felt nice and refreshed and i was like all right let's go and then it just kind of uh, turned out to be three months instead of a week (laughs) um so um no i was ready to get back to playing you just try and try and stay in touch you know with with other other teammates and and try and just get yourself through the through those uh through those days or weeks um, of not being able to compete and not being able to really get out and, and do what you love. Um, but, you know, as, as talks progressed in terms of the players union and the league and, I, and ideas were formed, I was, I was, I was kind of getting really excited about the idea again of, of playing and, 
and 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 then it, it kind of got finalized finally and, and we knew that we had a return date and it was all kind of um you just kind of go go from day to day and you motivate yourself from day to day and um then you then you move on and, and, and things happen you know and decisions are made and now we're back to playing so um i'm just excited to to get back and then compete again i think that that's what most of us really want to do and then we get a chance to do that now well we're certainly looking forward to seeing you on the field and hoping to see you tear it up down in orlando julian gressel thanks for coming on filibuster i appreciate it you know it's it's really weird to not weird but um, a bit strange for after three months to talk soccer again, which I haven't done <laughs> in such a long time. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited to be doing that again. And uh, thanks, guys, for having me on. Hopefully we can get some wins down there. Thank you all for listening this week. Find us at blackandredunited.com and patreon.com slash filibuster. If you feel like supporting us financially, you can find us on Twitter at black and red you at filibuster dcu send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com find us wherever you get your podcasts you you know please download subscribe rate review all the stuff podcasts are supposed to ask you to do uh mostly though tell a friend about the show so when you're you know on your zoom call with friends talking about the the tournament mention mention us that's all we ask really for jason and ben thanking julian gressel one more time i'm adam and we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason look at all those chickens